the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this sin, not join them. Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. I hate you! You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Lookouts, get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down to 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hello, divers! Welcome again to the Deep Dive Podcast, a never-ending quest to find the hidden gems and stinky sulfurous refuse lurking below the surface <laughs> of your favorite streaming services. Each week, we make our picks, the other unaware of our choices until now. <laughs> um, given, it, that was good. That was almost like a 1980s game show. Like I kind of wanted to hit whammy and stop. That oh, was good. Yeah. Time to that press your luck. Also, can I infer as to one of your choices by that, uh, well, I should say, very choice audio clip in the beginning? Absolutely not. <laughs> Although it okay. is relevant, it is relevant because it is one of those movies that people uh, are very polarized about. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, and I thought the dialogue made sense. I hate you. You are my brother. I loved you. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but let's get to the introductions, oh. shall we? We shall. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wank's Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. I can say that in my sleep. Joining me, <laughs> as always, from deep inside the world's hardest corn maze, the Mandalorian herself. Hello, Manda. Hello. That's me, the Mandalorian, lover of all things dinosaur. I can only be the Mandalorian for, what, another four weeks or so? Because then, guess what? Season two is coming out. Oh, I can't wait. So, I feel as though October... At least in the beginning of my mind, it was going to be forever away. And whether or not this is a good thing, I feel like my life is just kind of like breezed by. I haven't really done too much. So, yay, October is upon us. Indeed. And it's going to be very, very exciting. We've got some big oh, plans. We have huge plans. Not for the podcast, but just huge plans. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing yeah. like that. No, 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 no. So. <laughs> but, yeah, welcome to another episode, mm -hmm. a very special episode. This actually is kind of a spin-off of our last one. We had a really cool suggestion from one of our listeners to sort of demonstrate and, and talk about and review movies that had a huge impact mm -hmm. on us. Yep. So today, we kind of, we, we spun that around as we do here at the Deep Dive Podcast for your entertainment. Exactly. So this is going to be unlike our usual snooze fests. Uh, <laughs> we, we took last week off to do kind of a mental health check. And sure enough, we don't have any mental health. So it's going to be business as usual. That's true. Now, uh, we're going to be, you know, a little bit more populist today because normally we talk about films that maybe are lesser known and, mm -hmm. you know, are kind of like hidden under the going under the radar, that sort of thing. But today, Amanda and I are going to reveal movies that we love, but everyone else hates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, yes. 
And right. I don't care what any of you say. No, I'm just kidding. I we do, do care. Oh, we totally we, care. Please. We really care. We care so much. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts our hearts. Oh, yes. So. What do you got? Well, I'll give you my first pick. And I got to say, it may be a bit controversial. Ooh. Of course, it was very controversial when it came out 33 years ago, 34 years ago. Mm. I am, of course, talking about a movie that stars, let's see, Leah Thompson, Kelly Preston, rest in peace, uh, mm. Tom Skerritt. Got any ideas? Are you talking about Red Dawn? No, you no. <laughs> no, I'm talking about 1986's Space Camp. They came to Space Camp with a dream of becoming astronauts. I want to be the first female shuttle commander. <laughs> Suddenly, without warning... We have overheat on booster B. America's most unlikely heroes... <laughs> ...were launched into space. Do it. <laughs> space Camp, the sneak preview. This summer's greatest adventure is about to begin. Rated PG. Oh, Space Cramp. Very good. <laughs> Exactly. So I found out while researching that they had a shirt made up called Space Cramp. That was funny. Even then, 35 years ago, puns were funny. But the reason why it's controversial is, of course, the Challenger, the Space Shuttle Challenger, blew up in 1986, a mere five months before this movie was released. Now, MGM did put out a statement saying, hey, we've had this in in post-production, as it were, for many, many months. And of course, while we mean no offense uh, and, and we are thoughts and prayers, all that, blah, 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 we're still going to release it. And maybe, I don't know if in today's climate, if that would actually fly. Um, Cause I feel like there would be some level of um, just, I, I don't even know of some fear, I guess of, of damaging their reputation by doing something like, for example, if someone made a movie about, uh, I don't know, one of the recent killings, let's say, and that happened a few months ago, then they made a movie about it, people might be a little upset, yeah. understandably. Mm-hmm. But anyways, this film came out, um, like I said, about five minutes after the Challenger accident. Now, if you're somehow unaware of that, the spatial Challenger uh, took flight January 28th of 1986. I was still in my mom's belly. And about, I think it was 16 seconds, something like that, it uh, exploded uh, in midair, of course, killing all aboard. It also was the first flight in space for teachers, Krista McAuliffe, who is a local teacher, believe it or not. She was, uh, I think she taught at Concord High School, which is probably a good maybe hour away from my house. Um, she, they all, of course, like, uh, didn't make it. So it was a huge thing. Yes. And of course, the, the, sort of conspiracy theories came out really quickly afterwards. Uh, I remember. Um, But it was, it is kind of like, you know, scary to think that here these uh, engineers and these, these very uh, top of the line scientists said, Hey, guess what? You know, it's too cold. Don't, don't take off today because the rubber O-rings will not hold or they'll break apart or they're whatever. And it turns out that was the cause of the demise of the ship. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems kind of obvious to me because, of course, we live in New England. And any time, like, you go to look at, let's say, your bike and it's in a cellar uh, on a cold winter's day, your grips are kind of cracking, the rubber's getting really old. It makes sense. But apparently in the 1980s, they were like, hey, we just have to get it out. Um, America was, of course, trying to beat the USSR and 
always competing with with um, the other countries because we wanted to be the best, I guess. And Ronald Reagan was like, cool, I approve. But that's just a brief history. I would certainly recommend you go ahead and watch all these documentaries because they are fascinating. If, if not filled with conspiracy theories, definitely fascinating. Now, this movie, what is the movie about? Well, it stars, like I said, Leah Thompson, Kelly Preston, a very young Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> also, I think he was credited as something else. What was his original name? Leaf. <laughs> Leaf was his original, or is it? I don't even know, but he's credited as Leaf. Um, bunch of kids go to space camp, which is a real thing, by the way, um, where they get to fly in zero gravity. They get to see some of the ships. They get to see all these cool things, right? It's a camp for nerds, which I would totally be on board to go through. Joaquin Phoenix, he befriends a robot like Jinx. Yeah, yeah, like like a robot animatronic type thing, but also that has like a intelligence that isn't necessarily quite known in the beginning. And you know, they become friends, and he's kind of the loner of the camp, while the other kids are like valley high, like "Oh, I love you. You are so awesome. You're so pretty. Date me." And he feels left out. So he starts kind of talking to this robot, Jinx, and he happens to say, ma'am, I wish I could go to space. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, Jinx takes it upon himself to send them into space, right? Literally in this this sort of um, prototype ship. And the kids have to navigate not only launching, living in space, getting it back down to Earth. And the whole movie is about this near-death situation between them and they're in contact with Kennedy Space Center and they're like trying to get manuals to drive a space shuttle while being like 16 years old and not having like any manuals. So it, I saw this film, I think I must have been about 10 or 12 and I saw it in science class, believe it or not. And that was one of the only few times I actually saw the movie because uh, even 10 or 15 years later, parents were still kind of in a I guess a huff about showing this film, right? Because it, it was that pain, I guess, from the challenger. And then it, it uh, launching is just synonymous these days. Um, So I remember very, very vividly um, parents being sent home a, uh, like a description or like almost like a permission slip saying your child is going to be watching this movie in space camp. It's relative of, yeah, it's relative to what we're learning. Are you okay with it? And most people just like, yeah, cool. But that aside, I, as a young child, didn't really know anything about the Challenger. In fact, I was born maybe six or seven months after it happened. I was only a baby. I didn't really know much until I started becoming, you know, a younger adult and learning on my own. And so it didn't have the same, you know, feeling of just really tackiness. Because I think a lot of people think, hey, that's really bad. That's really, like, not in a good you know, space to release that. I didn't know that. So here I am just thinking, wow, this is really cool. Kids get to open space and, you know, they're, they're in a spaceship and they're driving it. And it was just on the edge of my seat. It was a, as a young kid, I was just, this is amazing. Turns out though, it performed so poorly at the box office. <laughs> it grossed less than $10 million Ouch. in the U S now in order to save the movie, I guess maybe to save some something of the movie, they adapted it into a book, into a novel, which I guess like they tried to pay tribute to Challenger and was like, hey, this actually happened, and they described it, but people were like, they were so over it. They were like, we don't care anymore. Yeah, um, yeah so interestingly enough, 
the film was made in 1985 in the summer, so before the Challenger, um, and it was the last film made by the ABC Motion Pictures, hmm. which closed down in 1985 of that year. Now, is it linked? I don't know. But you can also kind of infer that they had this giant mishap, and then they no longer have their their motion picture studio. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I now, I found a really, really hard time believing this, but it, but it's true. This movie is not available anywhere to stream really? at all. At all. I could not find it, and I searched for literally days. I couldn't find it on anywhere. Short of the dark web, I couldn't find it. Now, I found bits and pieces on YouTube, but they're typically flagged and brought down. Turns out, they released it on DVD on September 25th of 2001. Wow. Now, we, we all know what happened just, yep. what, two yep. weeks beforehand. Yep. It was like, really? Do you not get the idea of timing is everything? Um, but they re-released it again in 2006, and let's see. <laughs> you can only get this film if you buy it. So you can buy it on Amazon. I think they have it for 20 or 23 bucks. You can buy it on eBay right now. I'm looking at one that has, believe it or not, 14 bids, and it's at 7 bucks. I might actually just put a bid in there. But it, it's controversial because of when it came out. It's controversial because I think most people who think about it automatically um, categorize it as during that time and just a really bad failure and a, a lack of uh, foresight on movies. Again, my generation didn't necessarily know a lot about that. So I kind of didn't put two and two together, let's say, but the reception has was, and is still very poor. IMDb gives it a 4.3 <laughs> space camps. It's a 45% on rotten tomatoes and critic Roger Ebert, when he was alive, gave it a one star rating, saying that our thoughts about the space shuttle will never be the same again, and our memories are so painful that space camp is doomed even before it begins. So, yeah. So, again, that's why I said it was kind of controversial, but I actually was very surprised to find out that Disney announced they were going to remake it for streaming services for Disney+. I heard about that. So you may actually see the original on Disney Plus at some point soon. Exactly, because they, of course, now own the rights to it. And it will be very interesting. I don't know if they will actually, if they will stream it or if they'll just stream the remake, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what the, what the remake would look like to make it more modern, to, to affectionately and with respect acknowledge some of the past mistakes on, on, on NASA and that kind of thing. But yeah, so it's obscure. It ticks a lot of boxes for us, right? It's obscure. It's controversial. I like it. Most people I talk to hate it and you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. I would, but that's I, my first pick. If I were a betting man, and I am, I oh. would say that uh, because Disney plans to remake it, they will uh, actually, you know, put the original on streaming just to kind of promote it. I wouldn't be surprised right. at all if they did that. Maybe like before it comes out, as almost like a countdown of sorts. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, like. I love it, and everyone I talk to just has such a sour taste in their mouth about it. Interesting. You know, honestly, yeah. I, I have never seen it. Wow, that surprises me. Yeah, I've never I, – I guess when it came out was a time that I was not really going to the movies a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was uh, college and all that other stuff going on. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was, you know, I, 
probably from uh, 86 to maybe 89. I kind of stopped mm -hmm. going to the movies for a while because I got, I wow. was, too many other things were going on. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, I, I missed uh, I missed Space Camp and really never uh, came up uh, on my radar after that. So there you go. I have never seen it. There maybe you go. Maybe when it uh, comes available, I will. Oh yeah, I think we should do a, a video watching Zoom party. Oh, that would because be kind by of the time it <laughs> by the time it comes out, we probably will still be in quarantine. Yeah, oh God, I hope not. Yeah, yeah, pink too. Anyway, first pick on to you. Thank you, Amanda. Excellent pick. Thank you. Now, as a callow youth growing up in suburban Philadelphia, my viewing habits consisted of Saturday morning cartoons and after-school mm. cartoons. Uh, yeah. Yeah, your Saturday mornings had the heavy hitters, right? So you had Scooby-Doo, Super Friends. Garfield. Garfield, Inch High Private Eye, which nobody remembers but Ooh. me, and Jabberjaw, what? and many, many others. Now, mm -hmm. like I said, those were the heavy hitters. Now, after-school cartoons were different because, you know, the local TV stations ran whatever content they could afford to get. One of these was an early example of anime that began life in Japan as a manga called Mak Go Go Go. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong intro. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking of this one. Here he comes. Here comes Speed Racer. He's a demon on wheels. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. Ah, uh, that's better. Ah. Uh, so is the only difference that it's in English? Yeah. Basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the Japanese intro first, and then the American intro after so that. So different. It is, so and the dialogue is very different, too. It's not the same lyrics or anything, but the music is the same, pretty much. <laughs> so, but that's, that kind of clues you in onto what my pick is. Uh, uh -huh. in, in 2008, directing duo The Wachowskis took on the daunting task of bringing the adventures of intrepid race car driver Speed Racer and his colorful crew, Pops, Trixie, Chim Chim, and Spritel, oh, I didn't make those up, to the big screen. But it wasn't exactly what people expected, especially not from the Wachowskis who created the dark, gritty Matrix trilogy. Mm. Speed Racer was intended to be a family film, bright, colorful, campy, and decidedly not the typical type of big screen remake treatment that audiences were expecting. So in the film itself, young Speed Racer is trying to live up to the reputation of his older brother, Rex Racer, who seemingly died in a crash during a cross-country road race. Speed's parents own Racer Motors, where they build and race their own automobiles, including the iconic Mach 5 and all of its cool gadgets. Now, mm -hmm. Speed gets an offer to join the racing team of evil giant conglomerate Royalton Industries, but he refuses out of loyalty to his family. The company's owner, Arnold Royalton, goes after Speed and his father's company as a result. So Speed gets some unexpected help from the mysterious masked Racer X, who Speed comes to believe is really his thought-to-be-dead brother Rex. Now, granted, this is a soap opera plot, 
and it's filled to the brim with tropes and cliches, but that's okay. The visuals in this film are so incredible, so colorful, and so over the top, you can just let it wash over you and enjoy the ride. It is so earnestly cheesy that if you let it, it will totally win you over. There is so, uh, there's, so there's such a lack of cynicism about this movie. It's it, mm. and it's it's just it's kind of a throwback in a lot of ways, uh, and it's refreshing to see something like that that is just has that sort of like, you know, unashamed cheesiness to it. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's got its weak points. It's about thirty minutes too long, and the dialogue is kind of eye rollingly stiff. But that's part of its charm. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the trailers for this movie. You know that it is basically, uh, you know, uh, epilepsy inducing uh, <laughs> because of the, the lights and the colors and the fast moving cars and the action. And it's so uh, it's so manic in its in the way that it's edited and the music. Uh, it can be I can understand <clears throat> that some people were overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And I also understand that some people were kind of like expecting sort of, you know, Speed Racer being dark and, you know, a dark Avenger with a, with a car, that's, with a cool car like Knight Rider or whatever. But mm -hmm. it's totally not that at all. And the cast is really good. You have Emil Hirsch, a Speed Racer. Uh, you've got John Goodman as Pops. Uh, you've got um, Christina Ricci as Trixie. And it's just it's just a fun movie. And you can put it on, put your brain in neutral. That's another car pun, by the way. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, just just really enjoy it. So I think uh, I think it, it gets a bad rap. I really do. Uh, and But it's actually managed to find its share of supporters and uh, defenders over the past few years. Uh, and, you know, you can count me as one of them. Uh, I really think it's an underrated film. And I think if you get the chance that you should give it a try. Uh, as long as you go in with the right expectations, uh, I think you'll be very entertained by it. And, you know, and if you can handle the cheese, by all means, do so. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's my pitch for Speed Racer, the 2008 uh, re sort of reboot of the old TV series. Nice. Yeah. Now, as far as the scores go, mm. uh, it actually surprisingly to me gets a 6 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database, which is better than I actually thought it would be. But... Unsurprisingly, it gets a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. So there you go with that. <laughs> now, if you want to see it, you know, if you want to check out what all the fuss is about, like I've been saying, or you just want to give the movie a second look, you can watch it now if you are a subscriber to the brand spanking new HBO Max, or you can rent it for around four bucks on iTunes, Vudu, and YouTube. There you go. Nice. Speed Racer. Good uh, one. I, just, I loved the show when I was a kid, and it just, you know, it's a lot of nostalgia. And, yeah, and you know what? I don't think anybody could argue with nostalgia because it's so subjective, right? Yeah, and yeah. And I think for for so many people who are just like, now nah, that, that's not as good as the original. And, and I myself am like that for, you know, many things. Like, for example, Land Before the Time. Like, I we talked about it in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. The one in the original is the only one I like. But I still think that's a really cool choice. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, and it was the first anime that I ever saw as a kid. And, you know, once I got over how big everybody's eyes were, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, when you played the songs, it kind of reminded me of like the whole 
Transformers versus yeah, GoBots thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Those were the days. Um, oh, Hasbro. So uh, my second film is, I think, one we've talked about before, um, but... I just want to preface that I had a really hard time narrowing this down to only two films. So much so that I went through a list and picked the top five categories of movies that I usually watch. They were historical, Mm -hmm. drama, fantasy, romance, and suspense. So my first pick, uh, I kind of put it under the kids slash suspense. This one here is more like fantasy historical. Mm -hmm. So this film uh, came out in 2003, and it stars my one of my favorite comic uh, comedian, actor, all-around awesome Scottish guy, Billy Connolly. Mm-hmm. It also has Mr. David Thewlis in it, and folks from, would know him as um, from Harry Potter. Yes. Um, he was Remus Lupin. Um, it's got the late, great, very much missed Paul Walker. Oh, yeah. And it has Gerard Butler. So this film is called Timeline. Five young archaeologists have made a remarkable discovery from the best-selling thriller by Michael Crichton. Your father wrote that, but he wrote it 600 years ago. What? I just want to know where my dad is. Your father is in the 14th century. We need you to help us get him back. A journey back in time. DNA streams are locked in. What about weapons? Nothing modern goes back. From Paramount Pictures. There's no escape. And director Richard Donner. We got 650 years of knowledge on these guys. If we put our heads together, we should get out of here in 20 minutes. A dangerous rescue. The ultimate battle. Come on. For survival. Let's go. Timeline. Came out in 2003. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely love this movie. I love the book. So that's the thing. People, and I'm going to get to that, people have this argument that the book is better than the movie. And I say that you can't make that argument because the book is so, it's just got so much in it that it almost feels like the movie is like two chapters. Now, that's not to say something like with Lord of the Rings, where they had to condense it. I just feel like the the directors and the and the producers of this film, they just they just didn't do they didn't do a great job, admittedly. But I love the film for all of its quirks. So, what have you got? Well, you've got uh, Billy Connolly, who is this old cool archaeologist guy, and he's working at a site with Gerard Butler, whose name is Andre for some random reason. <laughs> <laughs> and they're working at a site, and they, of course, discover this ability to time travel. Um, what they don't realize is that people in the corporate world, they've known about this for a while, and they've tried to commercialize it. They've tried to make it um, something that they can, you know, obviously make money off of, right? That's that kind of, that's kind of their, their, their hope, their wish, at least, um, to sort of mass produce this ability. Um, and then there comes this old like trope of, oh, you know, uh, my dad is this weird guy that I never got to spend time with. So as an adult, I'm going to take some time off and go visit him and his really obscure random job that he traded my youth for, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. In comes Paul Walker. Now, I think one of the reasons why people don't like this movie is that as much as I love Paul Walker um, as per, you know, as like a really cool dude and also in his later films, he never really was able to get rid of that like beacher surfer dude yeah, kind of guy, yeah. you know? And one of his earlier films actually called Meet the Deedles. 
uh, it was a kid's film, um, but he literally just was like, oh, no, cool, bruh. <laughs> and, and this legitimately just, it, it kind of never left him. He, of course, was born in, in California, so he was kind of that through and through. But it just didn't, it didn't mesh well, really. And you're supposed to believe these things. It just kind of seemed unbelievable. And from the get-go, I think people feel, felt like the relationships in the movie were super forced and nothing felt like nothing felt like they had enough time to build on it. So in comes this ability to time travel. Now, is it time travel? Like you can go anywhere at any time. No, yeah. <laughs> it's only a specific time and place in uh, history, which happens to be the night of or slash the day of the battle of Agincourt in France, where uh, it's England versus France, which is kind of like a, you know, decades or I should even say like centuries long fight that I, I don't think that they'll ever really let go of. But um Andre or Gerard Butler's character, um and Paul Walker and everybody are sent to go find Billy Connolly who while digging around and whatnot has mysteriously got himself trapped in this timeline. And uh <laughs> They go to find him, and then he falls in love. This is Andre. Falls in love with, like, some French resistance fighter who he had been studying in the future. And then, like, it kind of messes with that weird, again, timeline, right? So it gets a little bit convoluted, and I think that's a, a, a huge reason why people kind of just say, nope, you know what? It's too weird. It's too out there. There's nothing substantial that could make me live in believ- like believability. So they kind of pass it off. But I just think it's so cool the idea that these people have a one-way door. Like, I know it would be cool to time travel to any place, and I get this question, like, all the time when you're introducing yourself. Like, you know, one of those those activities mm-hmm. of like, oh, yeah. this is who I am. Who would you time travel to? Or who would you have famous at dinner or something like that? And I'm always thinking, yes, it'd be cool to go to ancient Egypt or, you know, the Middle Ages or whatever. But nope. in this <laughs> get your shots. In this regard, exactly. Oh, gosh. In, in this regard, I think that it's just a really cool prospect that you can change the, the, the outcome of history. And it does seem like there aren't some negative consequences. I think in many time-traveling um, epics, as it were, there's this idea of changing the past affects the future in a negative it's always a negative way right like it's always you do this and then something bad will come of it um but in this manner he andre this is Gerard Bartlett's character changes the future by one falling in love with this random french joan of arc type of lady and then elects to stay in that time period so in the 1400s or the 1300s with her and then it affects the future that once they come back to present day and they happen to have been you know like excavating her grave as it were um he shows up there too (laughs) so like you're you're led to believe this is giant love story thing and it sort of survives throughout the ages but for me it's i just really it was one of my first experiences. I remember as a younger, young adult watching like a time hopping flick. And I, I think I've carried that over to like really enjoying time and historical period drama stuff like Outlander, for example, or, or even other ones where you just kind of jump back in time. Um, but yeah, it just, it didn't do so well. So I will say that almost 
all of it is probably historically inaccurate. <laughs> uh. Like, like there aren't too many points aside from maybe a couple of historical names that it would sort of be accurate. I mean, there's one point in the film where they're discussing the battle that is, that is meant to come or coming soon. Uh, and it, I think I watched uh, an interview with somebody once that listed this as one of the top five worst um, representations of, of that battle. And they're like, this is not what happened. They did not line up like that. They did not have these base camps over here. So, you know, whatever. But it, I think it's pretty cool because it, it has like a lot of like top list movie actors. I've already oh, mentioned yeah. Paul Walker, mm-hmm. David Thewlis, but we're also talking about like Michael Sheen is in it. Yep, yep. Like Michael Sheen plays this weird part too where the guy, he dies. But um, also every time you time travel, when you come back, instead of being like messed up mentally, you're messed up physically where your, your veins don't connect anymore. Right. And it shifts yeah. just a little bit. Um, yeah. It's it, it, it's a really personally I really think it's a very good film um, so a fun fact about this um, the director decided that he was actually going to use medieval reenactors so people who for fun will create costumes that are historically accurate and battles that will historically you know that sort of happened in that manner using documents texts that kind of thing, contemporary sources at least that contemporary time um, and he got praised for doing such because it had it sort of given an authentic feel yeah. to, to the, to the point where they were like, all right, cool. Those are some cool outfits, but nothing really else kind of came out of it. Um, so it turns out that it, it had a very poor box office run. It only recouped $43 million of its $80 million budget. Mm. So like half, <laughs> it was sent to DVD almost immediately. It has a approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 11%. Ouch. Yes, yeah. 11%. Wow. Uh, I, <laughs> IMDb doesn't give it any high, not too much higher. It's a 5.7, over 60,000 votes. Um, so, yeah, I just personally really like it. I like that it combines time travel, that it combines history, and has some of my favorite actors in it, and it's just a really, really cheesy plot <laughs> um but yeah i i really enjoy it and i know most people hate it in fact roger ebert gave it like a one and a half out of four when he was still alive and most people on cinema score which we don't talk about too too much yeah. but it is a a market research film company they give it a, a c minus so yeah well where can you watch it well right now you can watch it on max go which i haven't got yet but if you have a subscription it's free you can get it on att direct tv you can get it on cinemax you can get it on the amazon slash cinemax promo which we're always talking about these streaming services that will partner with other streaming services to kind of bulk and save you money um super recommend checking them out i mean i have one that has hulu and spotify together i pay for amazon and cbs together bunch of things but you can also get it for uh, purchase on the usual sources. They're not too expensive. Six ninety nine for Amazon. So, is it a wonderful movie? No. <laughs> is the plot at all like realistic? Probably not. Well, definitely not. But like, probably not wonderful. Um, but I just like it. I I can't tell you other than I can't help it. You know. And you don't so, have to. And I don't have to. And that's the beauty of it, people. Absolutely. You can like what you like. Yes, indeed. You go. You go, girl. <laughs> so that's my second pick. 
Uh, very good. Very good pick. Very good pick. I do remember about it um, that there was a lot of interference by the studio with this film and uh, made they had they made like last minute changes. And, you know, so I think there was just like too many cooks, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think it was doomed the, from the start, really, because, of course, the the studio wanted to make it more marketable. And then the Donner people who were the director, I think it's his wife and him, Richard Donovan, which Donner, yeah, uh, who directed it, wanted to make it like believable while still capturing enough of what they could from the book. Um, But in one of these cases where the book was just so much better, this is most definitely one of those cases. Definitely. Yeah. The book was great. (laughs) I love the book. Yeah. Book is really good. I've only read it once, but it's really good. Very nice pick. I like that a lot. Why, thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, uh, interestingly enough, my second pick uh, is also historical fiction. No way! Yes, yeah, very much so, very much so. You you never do this. This is I awesome. I never do this. So this is a, this is <laughs> kind of a first thing for me. But uh, I feel very strongly about this film. Uh, okay. F- from the time I was a young man, I have been an admirer of the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go into as many accomplishments, both in and out of the White House, except that his accomplishments remain as impressive and relevant today as ever. Uh, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, that little thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, both his life and untimely death are stories that will live as long as people walk this planet. Yep. Uh, plus, you know, he totally rocked that beard with no mustache look. Yeah. And the and the stove, no one, yeah, and the stovepipe hat. I mean, nobody else could rock that. Nobody can pull it off. Nobody. Nobody. Now, it is this larger than life man that has inspired my second pick. I am of course referring to Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. This no. Prefers legends to men. He remembers the battle. But forgets the blood. However, history remembers me before I was a president. It shall only remember a fraction of the truth. Vampires have been in the new world for centuries, Mr. Lincoln. It's time we had a nation of our own. I shall kill them all. Ah, damn right, Abe. That's that's the, the stuff right there. The, I am shocked. I am uncomfortable. I can't believe you chose this. Now, admittedly, we both love Tim Burton, and this is produced by Tim Burton, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But, wow. Okay, I am so excited to hear your reasoning for this. (laughs) Okay. Now, I know this will come as a shock to those of you listening at home. And if you are driving in your car right now, you may want to pull over. (laughs) This film is not entirely accurate historically. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Hard to believe based on the title. Okay. Uh, what yeah. I love about this movie is what most others hated about it, and that's the tone. It takes its mm. subject matter very seriously. There is barely any trace of camp or silliness here. The film is in no way played for laughs. The movie, to me, has a lot of heart and blood. The vampires, I think, are well represented here. So there is no need for the powerful vampire lobby to complain about their depiction. I love the way the vampires were depicted in this movie. Hmm. I mean, it, it kind of, it stuck to its own rules when it came to, to vampires. Uh, and I appreciate that. I thought, okay. I thought the actors were all terrific, especially 
Broadway actor Benjamin Walker, who played Lincoln. He looked like a young Liam Neeson. He was really, really good. He could have easily portrayed Lincoln in a more straightforward biography, and he would have been excellent. He never isn't, descends into parody in this one. Isn't so. Falcon in that too? Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely he is, yeah. Uh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, yeah. He's in it. Uh, Dominic Cooper is in it. Uh, and, you know, um, there's everybody brings the appropriate level of gravitas to their mm -hmm. roles. And I, I just love the way it was shot. I love the way it was edited. I just thought from beginning to end, uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is a movie that if I had seen it in its in the way it was, if I could have seen it as a kid, I would have been just like totally floored and think this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Because I was mm -hmm. just like transported back to being a kid with my eyes open and my jaw on the floor going, oh, this is so cool. Um, <laughs> so interestingly, this film was directed by a native of Kazakhstan who, who is named Timur Bekmambatov. And his visual style is incredible. And he directed two, um, two uh, Russian films, Night Watch and Day Watch. One was a sequel to the other. Uh, and he also directed Wanted, uh, the, that film mm. Wanted, which was great. I love that too. But he manages not only to direct action sequences with lots of flair, but he brings kind of a, a – it felt like there was a sense of history going on during the quieter moments. I thought he, he pulled that off very well. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I must be alone in this because a lot of people really dislike this movie. Uh, I think some people were confused by sort of the lack of comedy in a film with mm -hmm. such an admittedly ridiculous title. Uh, and that's too bad because I think it deserves a lot better than that. And this is a movie I can watch anytime. I can put it on and just enjoy it. So maybe I'm crazy, probably, definitely. I've been tested. Uh, so I just really, really like it a lot. That's all I can say. I can't, you know, I've explained it as best as I can, but that's just what I enjoy. You know that I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I'm surprised for sure that you that you like it, but I'm also kind of like, see, this is the point of this episode because you know everyone has those different. Um, I don't even know draws those in, yeah. those things that make you feel connected to a movie. And I think you're right that this movie had like such a like serious undertone that you could almost fall into it being believable. And that's hard to portray, it especially is. with like a vampire movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you know, and, and for a movie that did not do very well, as far as at the box office, it inspired a lot of knockoffs. I mean, we have, and you know, we've got Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Prejudice and Zombies, yeah. President Werewolf, uh, FDR, American Badass. Uh, there was also Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies, which is true, uh, and uh, Millard Fillmore conquers the Martians. Uh, no, I made that last one up, but there were a lot of knockoffs, and the other ones were real. So, I guess this whole kind of historical horror mashup thing. Uh, sort of became a subgenre unto itself for a little while. So I mm. thought that was kind of cool. All right, so let's get to the scores. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. 5.9 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database. Ooh. And a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Boo. Ouch. If you want to see it, the film is available to rent for the low, low price of $3 on most streaming services, including 
iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and YouTube. So nice. Yeah. There you Good go. Good choices. Thank you. Thank you. I have honorable mentions. Oh, yes, me too. You go first. So my first one is Starship Troopers uh, by <laughs> Paul Verhoeven. Uh, a lot of people do not get that this is a satire. They think it's some jingoistic, rah-rah, patriot, you know, Republican right-wing movie when actually it's making fun of it. It is right. all satire, and a lot of people are just like, oh, I don't like it because it's all rah-rah and all that. It's like, no, no, it's supposed to be that way because it's making fun of it. Get with the program. Right. Uh, my second one is Death to Smoochie, which was with oh, uh, yeah. Edward Norton and Robin Williams, late Robin Williams. Uh, oh, as yeah. where he, where Robin Williams is like a, a kid show host. It just kind of goes a little nuts and they find mm-hmm. a replacement, Edward Norton, who's so, uh, disgustingly, uh, you know, sweet and nice and all that. It just, you know, and the two of them clashing together. Uh, and right, my third right. honorable mention is the 2016 reboot of Ghostbusters, uh, with the all female cast. Uh, which a lot of people, there was a huge backlash against that. I think there were a lot of uh, alpha males that were kind of like intimidated and they didn't like the idea of, you know, oh, you're doing, you're you know, crapping on my childhood and blah, blah, blah. Right. It's total garbage. You know, yes. this movie can is allowed to exist. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And I actually enjoyed it. So I could not Kate understand. Kate McKinnon was hilarious. Yeah. I, and I can't understand what all the fuss was about. I think they did a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing the second one if it ever does come out. If it ever does, yeah. I mean, we've got uh, we've got next year sometime uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out, which looks really good. <clears throat> so I'm looking yeah. forward to that. But I, you know, I was one of those that actually really enjoyed the 2016 Ghostbusters movies, or at the very least, admitted to liking it because mm-hmm. I didn't have you know any preconceived notions or any kind of bias. Thankfully, that it you know because of the cast, so which is dumb. <laughs> just gonna say that. that was dumb so all right your turn yeah so my honorable mentions uh the, <laughs> i love mac and me i know it's stupid oh, oh. i i know now. it's a the worst ripoff of et oh. it, i mean it's the worst right it totally oh is but i don't know why i remember watching it with my brothers and just loving it as a young kid uh, I'm also going to choose Mrs. Wintermore because I love that movie with oh, Brendan yes. Fraser and oh, Ricky yeah. Lake. That and was one of your picks cute... in an earlier episode. It was, That's yes. Right. And I stand by it. That is a cute little quirky chick flick romance that I think everyone should watch. Uh, and my last one, I don't know if a lot of people hate it, but I think everyone that I've talked to just thinks it's really stupid. I love Galaxy Quest. What? With Tim I don't Allen. Know anybody that hates Galaxy Quest is great. Oh my God. Everything. I was talking to like five people when I was writing in my notes and I was like, oh, what do you guys think about Galaxy Quest? And, you know, a good portion of them said, nah, we don't really, we don't really care for it. Um, and I was like, all right, maybe I won't put it in my, my two top picks, but I love that movie. It has everything for me. Rain Wilson is in it. Tim Allen's in it. The very lovely Snape is in it. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's, it's one of my favorites. And there's a there's a, on Amazon you can get it. There's a documentary about it called Never Surrender, uh, and it's a yes. documentary about the movie, and it's great. That's also on Prime too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you, yeah, watch if, it, if yeah. you like this movie, and you really should, uh, you know, just watch it's the documentary. Funny. Too. Yeah, it's so funny and stupid. And my last one <laughs> is Dude, Where's My Car? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I it's really stupid. <laughs> it's really. 
stupid. But I remember watching it the first time and I was like, eh, it's funny. And I watched it again. And I'm like, you know, I could, I could kind of watch it. And I'm based on the fact that I've watched it through fully twice and haven't just burned the film. So it's not too, too bad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind a, that's the kind of film you watch when you think that Harold and Kumar are too highbrow. Oh my goodness. You know what I also found that people apparently really hate? They okay, so you know how everyone hates the, the prequels for Star Wars, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. But everyone apparently counts the nineteen ninety seven Batman and Robin in that same category. And I don't know why, right? Because so Tim Burton directed this one, if I'm not mistaken. No, he didn't. It has, no, he, no, he didn't. You're right. It has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, George Clooney's Batman, yeah. um, Chris O'Donnell's Robin, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people hate it, but I, will, I actually I will, I didn't I will, find it. I will tell you why. Why? Nipples on the bat suit. Was that it? That was it. Because, see, what happened was uh, Joel Schumacher, who directed... Uh, mm. took the film from the grim and gritty Batman to a uh, campy sort of throwback to the TV series. And people, fans, Batman fans were not happy about that. Mm. It became a big joke and a lot of people were put off by that. That's what also, happened. George Clooney was the worst Batman. We all know that Michael Keaton was the only good Batman. Who's coming back, by the way? Did you know that? I did know that. Did you watch the trailer? It released I yesterday. Did. I did, I did. Oh, good, right? Very cool. I'm very excited. Go Robert P. No more Twilight. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> well, see, and, and they're bringing, and Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are both going to be Batman in the next, uh, in the, the Flash movie. Because right, a, it deals with parallel universes. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember if it was going to be like a flashback thing or if it was going to be like your Batman of, you know how they have like like World 32 and World 64 yes, yes. and whatever? So it's going to be something like that because, of course, Flash can travel throughout those worlds and he meets his counterparts, sometimes evil, sometimes good. And in, a, in, a, in fact, he already actually did that in the uh, uh, on the CW. The TV show. The yeah, TV show. yeah. There was, Ezra Miller did it, yeah. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the other uh, Earths that got destroyed in that uh, CW sort of Crisis on Infinite Earths event that they did uh, mm-hmm. was the Batman 89 Earth. That got mm-hmm, wiped out, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. Uh, and they even had the guy who played the uh, the reporter, um, Robert Wool, who played the reporter in the 1989 movie. They, he made a cameo as that character as his Earth was getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, there's a really cool card game, like a deck-building game, the Batman, the Batman Crisis thing. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. I don't know if you've ever played deck-building games. But I have like, never. This is really fun. And the whole point is to collect different things so that at the end you could be super powerful. But I love it because it's got all these cool characters. And it does that weird thing where they have, like, they have four Harley Quinns, let's say, right? One of them is the DC animated show that was on ABC Kids or Fox Kids or whatever it was. And they have, like, you know, the one that's portrayed recently. So that's, that's fun. That's definitely fun. But I am excited for Michael Keaton to come back because he's my favorite Batman. I consider him the only yeah. real Batman. Val Kilmer was a close He was second. good. I, I thought he was so, good. He was better than Clooney, uh, who and he's uh, better than was Affleck. like smirking through the entire thing. Yeah, he was like, I'm fresh off the of ER and everybody loves me. Yeah. No, yeah. no, dude, no. Anyways, we're getting off our tangent. We really hope you love this episode because we did, obviously. We did, absolutely, yes. <laughs> so coming oh, up man. next, on the next Deep Dive podcast, we're going to do mm-hmm. things a little bit in reverse. Are we? 
Yes, we are. So instead of Time movies, travel. well, we've done that one. Uh, instead <laughs> of movies that we love that everybody else hates, we're going to do movies that we hate that everybody else loves. Did you write that down? Good. We'll give you a minute. So that's what we're going to do. Now, on the microcast next week, we're going to look at the most expensive flops in movie history. Ooh. Just like Space Camp. Uh, <laughs> failures that were so bad, they practically destroyed the studios that made them. Ooh. So we're going to talk about that. That should be a lot of fun. That's going to be some interesting stuff there. And speaking of stuff, Manda, where can people find our stuff? Well, if people would like to, and why wouldn't you, mm -hmm. head over to the deepdivepodcast.com where you will find links to all of our previous episodes as well as links to our social medias like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We are super active on Instagram, so I recommend personally that you hit us up there. But yep. if you have any suggestions, any comments, you can always email us at the deepdivepodcast at gmail.com. We read everything. We don't respond, but we read everything. Yeah, yeah, and, and you should totally believe that. <laughs> but no, and you know, we also have a merch store. So we'll have some exciting news coming mm -hmm. up about that in the next couple of episodes. But I think that if you are so inclined, you should head over to our merch store and just take a look at what we got because we've got some really cool stuff over there. Absolutely. And our entire catalog is available for you to listen on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast, on a bunch of other stuff. And, and yes, we're work we're working on Spotify. Just don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know they're they've got <laughs> problems. Uh, so, but if you if you want to kind of uh, get a really good idea of what we're all about and a preview of what's to come, check out last October's episodes. We did Ooh. four horror themed episodes, and yes, we are working did. on some special things for this October as well. So stay tuned. You know the. Uh, very smart and intuitive listener would know that I mentioned this a few episodes back that we're we're getting ready for horror month version two. Oh yeah, I'm excited. We're in we're in our second year here, and nobody have, thought we would last. Especially <laughs> and not nobody me. thought we'd last. I mean, after for the first episode, uh, or, yeah, we're yeah, about we that don't one. talk about that. Yeah, no. we we don't talk about that too much. No, that's that's stuck yeah, in the vault stay forever. Tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. We got some really cool stuff coming up. We've got a lot of plans down the pipeline, and you know, I think this is going to be uh, a really fun uh, sort of set of podcasts coming up yeah. because uh, it, it's just we're going to be really hardcore into it, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some special guests, and it's going to be great. So. Check us out, deepdivepodcast.com. You can email us. You can Instagram us. You can donate blood. Uh, you know what I mean. Well, all that stuff. Yeah, that's it's a little weird. Yeah. So, but we, on, we, we don't want the blood. No, 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 no. Just keep it, keep it in your body. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> as, well as, as well as all of your other fluids. Thank you very much. Which reminds me, stay healthy. Wear your mm -hmm. mask. Just wear the damn mask, Karen. Please. Just wear a mask. For the please. love of God. Wear the mask. All right? Oh, yeah. All right. So on behalf of the amazing Mandalorian and myself, Tom Feeney, we'll see you next time. See ya. Ciao. All clips used on this podcast are intended for educational purposes only and not to infringe on any existing copyrights.
Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios.